Uh, if you want to put the slide up there, I want to ask you guys a question. What is that? It's a penny. All right. You guys, this, is not, that, this part's not a trick question. <laughs> it's a penny. All right. So if I was to ask you then, is this penny, is this a valuable penny? Ah, see, because I led you guys, you guys are saying, oh, I think it is a valuable penny. But let's just say you saw it on the floor. Would you be overjoyed? Would you be happy to see this penny? Probably not, right? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm leading you to something. You guys are very smart. We're here by the campus of uh, University of Florida. You guys are too smart for me. This is a 1943 Lincoln Head copper penny. Now, maybe that means nothing to you. It didn't mean anything to me just a few days ago. But there were only 40 of these pennies made ever. They were printed uh, during World War II, and they needed extra metal, you know, for the war effort. And so they switched what kind of metals they were using, and 40 of these pen pennies were printed by accident. Now, Experts are saying today that maybe 10 to 20 of these pennies still exist. <laughs> Somebody is ready for what's coming next. In 2019, a special copper version of this penny sold for $204,000. Now I'll ask you again. <laughs> is this, is this valuable? Oh, now everybody says yes. And it's interesting, you know, what makes things valuable? What is valuable to you, right? Right now, we just found out, what is it, a uh, Hurricane Elsa's coming through, right? So maybe last week, canned food, who cares about it? It's kind of stale all the time. I'm not excited about it, but now, oh my goodness, you're not going to be able to find it at all. Canned food is probably one of those valuable things in the stores right now. During coronavirus, for some reason, toilet paper, super valuable. People were selling them out of the back of their cars. And so what is it that we consider valuable? What is it that we give value to? If you want, open with me. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13 this morning. And we're going to read a parable. Remember, the, the, the series is called The Kingdom of Heaven is Like. So when you get to chapter 13, I want you to find verse 44. Find verse 44, chapter 13 of the book of Matthew. And it says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then... In his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding, finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. What is it that we value, right? So these men... The Bible says that they went and immediately gave everything they had away. They sold it. So let's put this into perspective today, right? Let's put this into perspective today. This is the equivalent of you 
finding whatever it is that you find valuable, and you run home. But you don't just run home by yourself. You run home with the realtor, and you sell the house. Then you go outside, you sell your car. Then you sell every, clothes, every pair of clothing that you own except what you're wearing. You sell all the furniture. You liquidate your savings. You say, oh, you know, the retirement fund, take it all out. Why would we do something so crazy, right? If, if somebody did this, a peer of yours, you'd be worried about them, right? What are you doing? This is a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. What do we say about people who do this? They've lost their mind. This parable is, is I love this one. And I wanted to start here because what I believe that this is telling us I mean, it's, it's there in the text, and maybe you can argue with me later, that the kingdom of heaven is valuable. It's, a valuable, it's, it's something valuable. You want to have it. You want to be there. It's valuable. But we might say there's a cost. The cost is being a disciple. And discipleship costs a lot. Would you agree? It costs a lot. And the cost, you might say, it seems steep. I don't know if I have it. I don't know if I can do it. And to prove this, and we could really spend a long, long, long time here, but I'm going to try to just go through some verses together with you. Turn with me quickly. We're going to be just a few pages over in chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8, verse 18. And it says this, Matthew chapter 8, verse 18. Uh, 18. It says, Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, Let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury the dead. You see, the cost of being a disciple means that you are a disciple. You are a follower of the master. So that means you have to go where he goes. You have to sleep where he sleeps. You eat what he eats. You do what they do. If they say jump, you ask how high. If they say walk, you say how far. And the thing about being a disciple of Jesus is that he's not always going to ask you to go and minister to the five-star resorts in Bali. Sometimes (laughs) there's a missionary in the back ready to go right now. There are times that you will go way, way out of your comfort zone. Jesus himself, it says, he had nowhere to lay his head. The master is not always going to send you exactly where you want to go. Matthew 19, let's jump over here now. Matthew 19, verse uh, 20 We're jumping over, we're jumping over. One more page for me. 
There was a time and Jesus was teaching and a man came up to him and he says, uh, actually in verse 16, it says, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Right? And what does Jesus say to him? He basically says, hey, you need to, you know, follow the commandments. That's what you need to do. And he says, I've done that. Everything you have, all the, I follow the law. I'm doing it. And Jesus says, okay, I'll do you one better. Verse 20. Verse 20 says this. Uh, the young man says, All of these I have kept. What do I still lack? Verse 21, Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Verse 22, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This young man, he says, I've done it all right. I've lived my life right. And Jesus says, you're right, you did, but you are not able to fully commit. You love your things too much. We're jumping over again, Matthew chapter 10. I'm trying to illustrate the point, but there's, we could be here all year. And I know you guys are going to be hungry soon. So I'm going to go here. We're going to be in chapter 10, verse 37. Jesus says this, Whoever loves the father, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Even those in your life who are closest to you, the closest people in your life, your parents, your children, your spouse, your friends, if they're not coming second, you're not ready. You cannot be a follower. Of Jesus. You cannot be a disciple. They cannot come before Jesus. Well, now we're going to jump over. We're going to go to Luke 14. Luke 14, verse 25. We're illustrating a point. We're coming to, this is the last place I'm going to make you jump to. <laughs> the cost of being a disciple is what my, uh, my Bible says here. In verse 25, it says this, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus continues to go on. You see, he preaches in parables. And he says, hey, if you wanted to build a tower, wouldn't you, you know, see how much money you have? You'd get the materials. You make sure that you can actually see it all the way through, right? Because if you don't, people are going to say, hey, look at this guy. This is the guy who tried to build a tower and couldn't finish. If you've ever lived or driven in Orlando, we have this thing called the I-4 eyesore. You don't want to be that guy. There's a tower they tried to build. I don't even know what it was. Back when I was, you know, an infant, and it's still there unfinished. People, that's the joke of Central Florida. That's what Jesus is saying. If you, if you don't plan ahead, 
people are going to make fun of you, right? You wouldn't do that. He continues. He says, hey, if you were going to go to war with another you know, nation, you'd make sure that you had enough people to win. Otherwise, you know, when you plan, you know, oh, we don't have enough to win, so we're going to send people over there. We're going to make sure that, you know, we, 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 we don't be the country who just gets destroyed and is the laughing stock, right? What Jesus is saying, what Jesus is communicating to them, I need you to know what you're getting into if you want to be a follower. If you want to be a follower of me, if you want to be my disciple, I'm telling you up front, you need to know. Otherwise, you'll get halfway through, you burn out, you can't do it, and people will look at you and they'll judge you. And you say, well, you know, Jesus, will they at least, will the world at least love me for it? I'm sacrificing everything. I'm giving away everything I love and I care about. Will they at least care? Jesus looks and he says, no. The world will actually hate you for it. They'll hate you. And you think of, I mean, you think of what happened to Jesus, right? The son of God, God himself came to earth and they killed him, right? The early church, like I said, oh, look at that. I'm going back to Acts. We just studied, right, the entire book of Acts. The, 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 the early church was started. Will the world at least care? Will they, will they appreciate what I'm doing? No, they killed them. They searched for them. They tore them out of their homes. They threw them in prison. God's saying, Jesus is saying, I need you to know what you're getting into. You need to know. And as Christians... We do a disservice when we evangelize, when we minister to other people, and we sugarcoat it. We sugarcoat, say, you know, you're going you're gonna to be a Christian, we'll baptize you, right? And you hear a lot, you know, televangelists or something, and if you sow a seed, and then you'll be a millionaire, and then God says, everything's going to work out, life is going to be great. That's not biblical. It's not. And we do a disservice to people when we sugarcoat things. Because there will be times on this earth, and I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, where you're sitting at home, maybe alone, you got a heavy heart, and you're saying the cost of discipleship is a lot. It's too much for me right now. But commitment, what God is saying, I need you to know. I need you to know what you're getting into. And if, and if it still is appealing to you, what I'm asking for is commitment without hesitation. That's the requirement. That's why he's saying everything has to come second. Your plans for your future come second. The comforts of your home, that has to come second. Your money has to come second. Your things come second. Your mom, she comes second. Your dad comes second. Your kids come second. Your husband comes second. Your wife comes second. Your life, your life has to come second. And some of you are, are, you know, you might be in church today and, and you're saying, oh, man, oh, this was not the right day to come. 
this was not the right day to come. I should have, I should have skipped. You might be saying, maybe nobody's told, maybe you've had a sugar-coated truth of what it means to be a disciple. And you might be saying, well, I didn't realize I was spending this much. But if all you see is a penny, right? If all you see is a penny, if all you see is an empty field, if all you see is just a regular, everyday old pearl, then of course it's too much. Of course it's too much. You would never pay for this. But what if I told you, or what if I told you what it is that the penny could do for your future? Right? I have student loans. $204,000, one check, I'm done, I'm out. (laughs) And then some, and then I'll buy a house too. If all you saw was an empty field, but what if I told you what was in the field and how sacrificing everything you own to buy that field would set you up for the rest of your life? And what if I told you how that pearl would change your life forever for the better? We cannot even begin to comprehend the value that you are quote-unquote buying into by being a disciple, by putting every single other thing in your life second. We cannot begin to fathom how valuable it is. The Expositor's Bible Commentary says it's so good. It says this, when the man buys the field at such a sacrifice, he possesses far more than the price he paid. The kingdom of heaven is worth infinitely more than the cost of discipleship. And those who know where the treasure lies joyfully abandon everything else to secure it. Now, what if I told you a different story? I'm going to tell tell you a new story, right? One that you are probably going to say, hey, this sounds a little familiar. Okay, so there was a man, and he's in a field, and he starts to dig, and, and he finds a bunch of garbage. Worthless. <clears throat> it does not benefit him at all. And he says, oh, my goodness, and he goes home. And, and he pays the price for this field. He pays the price for this field. And he goes and he comes and he sees the garbage and he's overjoyed and he takes it and it's his now and he's happy. What would we think of somebody like this? You have lost your mind. You have absolutely lost your mind. What you're doing makes this much sense, zero sense. But what is it that actually gives something value? We would look at that and we'd say, no, that trash, that's garbage. There's no, that is zero dollars net return. But what gives something value, right? There are people, they spend a lot of money on things that you would say, that's a waste of money. 
But to them, maybe it's their hobby, maybe it's, you know, something else. And, and to them, it's very valuable. David Asherick, he, he, he uses this sermon illustration, and I remember when I heard it for the first time, I was like, that just happened to me. I had the same experience. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to enter into it. I'm going to tell you a story about me and my sister and when we, you know, we were walking around these stores over by Rollins College in Orlando, if you've been there, you'll know that it's kind of a really expensive place to be, but, you know, they have like a Panera Bread, so we can be there, we can afford it. And so we were going to go eat at Panera, but, you know, we finished and we walked around and we went into this little store and I'm in there and I'm looking and, you know, my sister's looking at stuff and I'm just browsing and I'm like, oh, these clothes are pretty ugly. Hmm, whatever. And I go and I pick up this shoe, this loafer that had to be the, the, the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. It had all these little spikes on it. I'm like, oh my goodness, they're probably giving this away for free. And I flipped it over and I looked on the back and the price tag said $10,000. And I did one of these, right? I, I put it back down, I rubbed my eyes and I flipped it back over and it was still $10,000. And then what happened is you know, we didn't grow up wealthy, my sister and I. No, we were good. Not $10,000 for a shoe wealthy, though. So what happened is uh, I started to sweat, and my hand was shaking, and, and I put it down. And I said, Tiffany, we got to go. Don't touch anything in this store. <laughs> we're leaving right now. And so we left, and, and I was like, this is the crazy. Who, who looks at that and says $10,000? Oh, a perfect price. What gives this ugly shoe the value of $10,000? David Ashrick, right, he had a very similar story as he was, uh, uh, he went into a little boutique because he and his wife were getting married, they needed suits, and same thing, he flipped over a shirt and it said it's a couple thousand dollars. He said, what gives this value? And, and he thought about it, and I, that's why I said this, what he said spoke to me, and I was like, that just happened to me, oh my goodness. Because what gives something value what gives something value is when someone is willing to pay the price for it. I look at it and I say, $10,000 for this is a terrible idea. But somebody else will look and they'll flip the shoe over and say, oh, $10,000, that's great. To them, it has value. And they pay it. The store's still there today, so they're paying the rent somehow. But what gives something value is that someone is willing to pay the price for it. We say this is stupid. They say this is perfect. We look at this and we say that's one cent. And somebody else with a trained eye says that's $204,000. Someone's willing to pay the price for that penny so it has value. John 3.16, maybe you know it. I've said it a few times from up here. You might not need to turn to it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We, in this story, the first story I told, we are the garbage. I need to make something clear. We are bring zero value to the kingdom of heaven. We, we, th we're not helping heaven. We're not helping Jesus. We are, if you wanted to, you know, 
scan it and say, how much, how much, are hu- how much is the human race? Oh, it's worth zero dollars. But what gives something value? That someone's willing to pay the price for it. That God, that Jesus was willing to pay the price with his life for us. The kingdom of heaven then values you. In that, even though we bring nothing to the table, the kingdom of heaven values your presence in that kingdom. That it would go to such extreme lengths as to make a path for you and for me to get there. I think in my life, one of the most valuable experiences, one of the most valuable human experiences in life is to feel like you belong. Right? That's something that, you know, sometimes it feels like money can buy, right? Rich people always seem to have an entourage and people always want to be around them. But do they really want to be around them? Or is it they want to be around the money? (laughs) To truly belong is an experience so valuable you can't put money to it. To know that you are a better person for being with this other person or with this group and knowing that that other person or this group wants you to be there genuinely is a value you can't put a dollar amount on. And the beauty of heaven, the beauty of the kingdom of heaven is that God wants you there. One more time, I'm going to make you turn Turn with me now to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. I'm going to make one more point about this. John chapter 14, verse 2. Jesus saying, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to be or to myself, that where I am, you may be also. The kingdom of heaven wants you there. This is wedding imagery, if you didn't know. Back in, you know, these times, Jesus talking to his disciples, they would have understood exactly what he's talking about. When a a, a man was going to marry a woman, what he would do is he would say, I'm going to go and I'm going to build an addition onto my father's house. It's going to take me some time, but then I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you and you will be with me for the rest of our lives in my father's house. Is there a better experience than When you're first married, you don't want to be anywhere else in the world than with your spouse. You want to take them and you want them to be where you are. This is wedding imagery. The kingdom of heaven wants you there. They want you there. And so, yeah, the cost of discipleship may seem steep, 
And it is. In the 80 to 100 years that you might be here on this earth, it's going to feel steep. But when you think of the overwhelming value, we can be like the man in the field. With joy, we give it up. With joy, I give everything I have away. With joy, I follow you into the darkness if you send me. With joy, I put my family second. With joy, I'll be broke for you. With joy, I'll be rich with you. Whatever you want, you are in complete control of my life. With joy, with a smile, we're happy to do it. The kingdom of heaven holds value for many reasons. One is that, and we're going to get to this, that the kingdom of heaven will make everything right. We're going to get to that. Remember that. The kingdom of heaven makes everything right, and it holds value because of that. The kingdom of heaven holds value because it's a place that wants you there. It's a place that you belong. And Christ looked at you, and with zero hesitation, paid the price for you. When you come across a quote-unquote field and you find this treasure, when you find that pearl, my challenge for us today is to think, how are we going to respond? The kingdom of heaven is inviting you. You've got an invitation on your table. How are you going to respond? Heaven is worth it. Go headlong with zero hesitation. And I promise you that though it might be feel like you made the wrong choice someday. The end result is an overwhelming value we cannot comprehend. It is so beautiful. It is so perfect. We can't comprehend it. That's Bowerheads. God in heaven. God, your kingdom, we can't even think about what it's really going to be like. But God, we know you've showed us that it's good. God, you've showed us that it's beautiful. God, you've showed us that it can change everything, that it will make things right. And so, God, it's no small thing that we're asking that you would enable our hearts to give everything up. God, to put every single thing second. But God, I ask that your Holy Spirit impress upon our hearts, Lord, that we would feel that call, that you would show us how to do it. And Lord, I pray for this church and for myself that we would respond, yes. God, we pray that this kingdom of heaven comes soon. We pray for your soon return. In the meantime, we rest in you. In your name, amen.